Of the NRL Supercoach All Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back again ahead of TLT round six, Supercoach episode for this week. And really exciting this week. We've got someone who hasn't been on for well, since the preseason and also normally comes on a few times a year. So really excited to get Andrew Scanlon back on board. Cowboy, also known as uh, from the Points Per Minute podcast. If you ever listen to that one, it's been on about a two year hiatus, Andrew, but you're you know, I'm sure that you'll come back again one day, but if you don't, you know, you've always got these podcasts to pop up on, like the NRL All-Stars. <laughs> Very grateful, mate. And yeah, thanks again for um, having me back on. Um, yeah, it's been um, quite a few weeks since the, I think, the uh, Cowboys and Titans review preseason. Yes, it was. Uh, look, you're, you're a mad Cowboys fan, so I had to get you on for the Cowboys one and try to do that each year. So has been a few months, but I mean, how have you found the, the Cowboys season so far as a, a big Cowboys fan? Um, look, definite um, improvement on the past two seasons, which isn't really that difficult. Um, the they are showing um, like the chemistry is a lot better. Obviously, Dearden's been a, a great um, a great player, very key player. It's good to have someone in your spine step up um, and have a breakout season. He's he's really um, I don't know. He's kind of carried that middle quite a bit. And um, look, everyone else has been playing their part, which is quite good. Um, as I was saying to my mates, it's going to be interesting when they come across the, the better teams. And we saw that against the Roosters. So um, look, they've had to, a couple of nice wins against the lower teams. So we'll just see what happens between now and um, and the buy period. I think they'll kind of get brought back to earth a little bit, I'd say. Um, but yeah, no, it should be a good season ahead. I think preseason we're talking about um, whether they're going to get Wooden Spoon or um, bottom three. I think you had them at Wooden Spoon and I had them bottom three. Um, still very realistic um, possibilities, I think. Well, yeah, the Tigers have said hold my beer on the Wooden Spoon at the moment. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, look, I, I, I had them as potential Wooden Spoon. Um, I had them bottom four. As my kind of range, I still got them bottom four. I still think they'll probably be bottom four, but they have shown a few things. Uh, and it's been one of those seasons, really, where most teams kind of have. Um, Tigers probably been the current exception. But, look, Andrew has been on um, plenty of these podcasts. He was very good on the Points Per Minute podcast. But for everyone that's listening, especially if you're a new listener, what we're going to be doing this week, we've got the Supercoach podcast tonight with TLT Round 6. We're going to have a quick chat about how the round looked last round uh, and a few of the scoring trends and things that we've seen. And then we can go straight into TLT and review each game and all the different options, focusing on things like break-even players, the market watch with players in and out of teams, uh, and also things like captaincy options and what we think is going to happen in each game and who you can maybe sit and play in those considerations. But at the end of the week, we've also got the Talk and Footy podcast, which is just... NRL footy talk only, no super coach involved. And that normally comes up on the Friday. This week, it's going to be a two-parter. So you're actually going to get two talk and footy episodes because last week we actually, due to time constraints and scheduling, couldn't actually get it up. So you're going to get three episodes this week. First one of the week, though, is a super coach one. So let's get stuck into this one. When we're having a look at last round, uh, probably on par with what we've been seeing. So Certainly the first couple of rounds, Andrew, we spoke about how the scoring was down a fair bit. Um, but one of the things that happened uh, probably from round three is that we started to see more tons, more scores coming up. That uh, There wasn't as many. So certainly when we're having a look at round five, 
there wasn't as many tons. Um, we had six tons, but it's still pretty reasonable. And I guess the big standout was it wasn't any huge tons. So Nico Hines top scored with 117. Big thing is that we had, oh, I think it was 25, um, 80 plus, yeah, 25, 80 plus scores. So that was good as well. They're much more positive in the first couple of rounds. So for me, Andrew, I think that we've probably moved past that worry of the first couple of rounds on the scoring being an all-time low, and it's probably more reverted to well, pre-2021 type of form. Is that sort of how you've seen things unfolding for the super coach players? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think um, now that we've got those first three rounds um, behind us, um, we're kind of getting down to that business end of the season where um, players are getting a bit more comfortable. Um, they're starting to produce a bit closer to their potential. And um, and I don't know, they're, they're also, you know, playing with things like origin spots and, and spots on the table and, and preparing their seasons for origin players. Um, I, I know that's still, you know, quite a few weeks away, but, um, you know, the nerves are gone and, and they're actually, you know, playing a bit more ad-lib footy, which is really good to see. And I suppose from a Supercoach point of view as well, like you've got those make or break decisions where, you know, like as we saw last year, a captain can score 200 plus or or in the higher 100s where, you know, in the opening few rounds of the season, they were scoring, like captains were scoring in between, you know, 60 or 80 or, you know, close to 100. But now they're actually, you know, producing the goods as we saw with Pappenhausen a couple of rounds ago. So, um, yeah, it's good to see. It's refreshing. And um, I think we need to to think more carefully about those decisions, those important trades and captain choices for sure. Yep, 100%. Another interesting number from the round that's just gone by, out of those 25 players that went 80 plus, 14 of them were pods. So that's something that's actually been a bit more prevalent uh, and we're going to hit on a little bit when we get to market watch on some of these teams because you've got guys like Tedesco being traded out quite a bit and it, it is one of those trends that has actually continued from the start. So even though the point scoring has come back, we haven't, we're not seeing the consistency in the top point scorers still and round five was the same thing again. You know, you've got well, around about 70% of, of those 80-plus scores not being from guys that are heavily owned. Uh, and that's quite interesting, really, because obviously, you know, a lot of the team builds pre-season, but certainly early rounds uh, when teams are being moved around with their, especially with their trade boosts and stuff, is getting in as many um, guns that they can kind of fit in and manoeuvre around as possible. But we're seeing overall, like the, the pod players are actually outperforming the guns a little bit when you're looking at those bigger 80-plus scores when you're looking at the 100 plus scores, it's, it's a bit more even. Um, you've probably got a 60%, I think it was, around about in the last couple of rounds of the 100 pluses were the, those type of out-and-out guns that are heavily owned. But, yeah, it's still pretty interesting the amount of complete pod plays that are actually getting some big scores. Yeah, it's really good to see. I mean, how satisfying is it uh, when you do pick that pod and he produces the goods? I mean, obviously on the flip side, you know, when they bomb out, it really affects your round. But, um, you know, there's nothing better than picking a successful pod and to see these guys actually producing the goods. Very satisfying. Unfortunately, well, I don't know if you remember, but my my, uh, pod pick pre-season um <laughs> he's he's actually bombed out completely um hamaso so um tabby eye for dough uh mate oh yes yeah oh, i was quite on that with you though like oh, i quite liked it and he did get hurt to be fair yep, mate funny story picked him in my team um I, I watched the cowboys game closely especially him and he just seems so disinterested. He wasn't getting himself involved in plays. He wasn't um, producing the base that I thought he would. Um, you know, he was he was making a couple of random runs and that's it. And 
solely from what I saw in round one, I jumped ship straight up. Round one, gone. See you later. <laughs> Which uh, I didn't expect to do. That wasn't my plan, obviously. But I, I just, I hated the look of him, and um, that was enough for me to just to jump ship straight up. Well, that's a big call for you. I mean, it, it ended up being the right one, so it's a fantastic call to be able to jump ship after a game and get it right, which you definitely did uh, with him. How has your season gone overall so far before we move into TLT? You, you know, happy with how you've gone? Was there a couple of major things that you sort of thought that you did wrong or, or things that you didn't expect from this season so far for, you, for your team? Uh, all in all, I'm actually quite happy with how I've gone up until last week. So I was I was ranked about 5K um, before last week. It wasn't too bad. Um, I did jump on the Pappenhausen bandwagon and, and picked him as captain for that big week, which was good. Um, but unfortunately, last week, I um, I went with the theory um, to captain Tedesco because I was a bit worried about all that wet weather down in, um, in New South Wales and Victoria. So I decided to um, yeah throw the big C on Teddy, which cost me. Yeah, unfortunately, mate, I struggled to break a thousand points. Well, actually, I fell short of a thousand points, and that dropped me from five thousand down to about twelve thousand. I think it was. So that was brutal. Um, so I'm going to have to spend the next few weeks climbing my way back up and, and start thinking about some um, buy period selections as well. But I, I do see that you've had a stellar start to the season, mate. Yeah, I did start pretty well. Uh, I, I was really happy with my start. I, I must say, like a couple of weeks ago, I had a massive fall from grace, so that really hurt me. So. Um... Yeah, it, it definitely if people were paying attention to my first couple of weeks, it looked impressive. But like, I, I promise you and assure you that, that it, uh, <laughs> the next couple didn't go so well. I, I chatted last week, but I didn't get on the Pappenhausen train for the captaincy and I didn't own him uh, for his massive score. So that actually, it was amazing how much that cost me. And that was actually the next stat that I was going to bring up too, that it's because we're not seeing, I guess, the consistency of the guns. That's something else that happened on the weekend too, where we saw out of all the captaincy options, you know, there was only really one in Nico Hines that came through. Now, he's in 46% of teams, top scored for the round 117. So he was the best captaincy option. But there was a huge amount of people um, between VC and C that was actually close to 40% on Pappenhausen. And with Tedesco, I think that he was around 10%. So there was quite a few on him just on the C at around 10. So you weren't alone with that one. But it goes to show because, you know, you had the, the 23 and the 41 from those guys, and they were the really popular picks. Um, you had other guys that were real, you know, real shot in the dark ones, but looked like they had a good matchup, like a Cody Walker who scored like 10 points. Like the, the stars did not come out last week. And I don't, we're seeing that a little bit now in the first five rounds where we're starting to see some trends where we're having these rounds where really, if you don't pick that one guy that's the big captain that round, you're, you're not really going to get close some of these rounds. And that happened on the weekend, right? So, because if you didn't pick Nico Hines, you were going to have a, a fair big drop because most of the time it was going to be a Pappenhausen or Teddy pick. And the difference was just extreme. So it was almost a reverse of my week, the other week when Pappenhausen went nuts because I couldn't get anywhere close to that. And we're seeing a lot of people this week. So I think I'm going to say after five rounds, that captaincy has become even more important because there just isn't that many guys that tend to be, close enough to those top scores that we're seeing. There normally seems to be one out-and-out gun captaincy option that steps up, and the other ones aren't as big. Um, probably the only other one that was close was David Fafita got 107 points, but I don't think many people were going to jump on that against the Eagles, considering what Fafita's done. So he's probably the only one that sort of might have marginalised it a bit. But, yeah, it is it is interesting, Andrew, because I think normally we're, we're pretty we're pretty set on being able to see these top well, three, four, five option guns have these rounds where they're pretty close to each other. 
I don't reckon we're seeing that at the moment. And it's a real, I think it's thrown a real cat amongst the pigeons on, on the rankings each week because I think people are just yo-yoing everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, after last week as well, with, with Teddy's output and, and Pappenhausen's output, um, I guess in moving forward, you've got fewer and fewer captain choices that people will be thinking about. Like, I think we'll see the top um, three or four captain choices every week. But, you know, when you're, when you're looking at Pappenhausen from Melbourne, you're looking from, um, say, Hines, but then you've got players that are coming into the equation like Moses as well. Like, arguably, um, he'll be one of the more popular captain choices as well. I mean, one of these guys will be playing one of the bottom six teams. Like, you know, you're going to get people, the captaincy percentages will be up towards that 40, 45%, I think, in some weeks, which gets a little bit boring, of course. And, and as you said, with um, Fafita, I mean, the way he's been performing, he's not really a viable option. He can't just produce the goods one week and then people jump, jump on him for captaincy. But then you've got Teddy from um, from last week as well. And I suppose in the opening portion of the season where he hasn't really been performing as well as he has in previous seasons. So is he really a viable captain choice as well? So what, what you're looking at maybe three people that people will be giving serious thought to and a whole host of players that people will throw the VC on. I think it does open up expanding on a whole different strategy though. Um, and this is a little bit... A quick strategy talk for a minute and some just my I'm not I was gonna say tips, but you know, I, I could be completely wrong on this, so I'm not gonna say tips, but my thoughts on it when I was looking at it as a strategy was VC is now more important than ever. So certainly I think there's prior seasons where you know you could never use your VC and, and plenty of people didn't. Um plenty of people didn't believe in the AE nightmare stuff because they just didn't care because they were never gonna loop anyway, which I totally get. You know, that's a, a viable argument. But I think because it is so hard at the moment to get that many guys scoring big and when, like I said, out of the 80 pluses, you had 70% of them that were actually pods. I I think it becomes a really good strategy to actually be focused on your VC because you need to mitigate the risk at the moment. I would say in the prior few seasons before this one, there wasn't as much risk. You know, you could probably captain a, a Teddy or a Pappenhausen out of 10 games, hit something good seven times. Whereas now, I think it's real questionable whether you're going to or whether it's going to be enough to to close the gap on on whoever is going to be, you know, the Nico Hines for that round, et cetera. So I reckon the VC is really important for that reason now. And I think it's a viable strategy to actually focus on it and really think about it and also make sure that you don't have those AEs in there if it's possible and position yourself to be able to do it, you know, look at it each week so you can actually affect a loop because a lot of people don't think it through. And the second part of it is... We've already spoken that a lot of the pods are the guys or that are coming up with the big scores, or even when it's not pods and it's not those, you know, 10% and under guys, it is guys that you would never think of doing normally. You know, no one was going to do a, a Katoni Stags on the weekend for 108, for example, as a VC and so forth. I think now it's actually a strategy turnaround where you go, you know what, you can actually start to look at those real left field guys because it's happening more that those guys are actually coming up trumps in the top 25 players each round. So, you know, for example, I'll throw a real, you know, a real big one out there, heavily owned guy in May for the Panthers. I'm looking at him this week because nobody's going to do that. And the way it's going, you know, you're getting these wingers that are scoring doubles or triples and they're getting that 120 points occasionally. Um, we saw it with Jesse Ramian, you know, Jesse Ramian got the second best score last round at 115 points and absolutely carved up, obviously with a good matchup. May's got a good matchup too. These are guys that you don't normally think about with your VCs, but it might actually, in the numbers, say we really should be 
a little bit more and that we should actually be focusing on our VC and, and looking at it a bit more importantly than what we have in past seasons potentially. Mate, I just had a little chuckle when you mentioned May because I, I, um, I mean, the only Panthers backs that I've got on my team, I, I've got Targo obviously as well, but I've got May and Luai. But mate, I, I was going to throw the VC on on May this week <laughs> uh, as well. Actually, I thought, mate, he's up against the Broncos. He could he could do this. Hey, honestly, and I think this week um, with VC options as well, like you know, obviously everyone's going to be looking at the Rabbitohs and and the Panthers for for a solid VC choice. So you got a few options there, don't you? But no, spot on, mate. Like. I totally agree that the um, the VC is very crucial and, and for the points that you just mentioned, yeah. So when you're setting up your team, everyone, make sure you look at it. So you, you can always have a practice run in your head when you're looking at it, right? You look at the guys that are going to be left after your VC plays and you need to be able to look at what options you have that aren't playing that round that you can actually loop. Uh, and if you don't have any, then obviously don't waste your VC, put it on someone else. Uh, I know it sounds like real basic stuff, but, you know, I've done it before where I've put the VC on someone, they've, they've scored okay, and I've looked at it and gone, oh, no, I don't actually have anyone that I can loop with. So really good to plan that in advance. Um, and certainly, like, um, I'm not going to condone holding people that you don't need to, but one of the good things about, um, like, if you've got someone that's not playing at the moment, like a Valia for 200K at the Warriors or even a Billy Smith, even though he's a little expensive, but you know he's going to play that round 13 by. Like, if you don't have to trade those guys, they actually become valuable uh, loop options for you as well. So, you know, I'm not going to say hold on to someone so you can loop with them, but it it is an extra benefit um, of having those guys in your team. You know, it's not just dead wood. If they can give you like a buyer number and you can loop with them and it's not going to stop you from doing your other trades. So definitely have a look at your team, have a run through, make sure your VC will actually work each week, but focus on it. Because I know a lot of guys that don't really care about their VC, but this is a season where I think you need to. I think it's actually really good timing that you mentioned that um, the VC thing and, and and seeing who is on your bench and planning for that because you know this week um, for example like a lot of people may be thinking about vicing someone from the Roosters against Warriors and then you know in the end captaining someone like Moses um, against the Tigers but you know if you end up doing that you've you've effectively only got two teams um, left after the Roosters game before that Eels game so. You know, you kind of rule that out, but people might be a little bit naive and just jump straight in and advise someone like Tedesco and Captain Moses. And Tedesco pulls out 150 odd, and then all of a sudden you've just realised, wait up, I don't have an AE to use, or I don't have someone to bring into loop. So yeah, I think that's really good timing that you brought that up. Yeah, cheers, mate. I, like I've been really focusing on it the last week or two, and it's going to be a focus point for me for sure. Got your Cowboys up in the first game of the round, Cowboys and Raiders. So big matchup. Um, I think both of these teams shown some weaknesses, but also shown patches of form. Um, so Cohen Hess is actually coming back. So Ruben Cotter goes to the bench, which is interesting because he was quite a big buy, and we're going to chat about him shortly. Uh, but on the Raiders side of things, um, Matt Frawley's gone, which I think the biggest thing for Frawley uh, with Xavier Savage coming in uh, is that it's going to, any Starling owner should be happy with that because you know, hopefully it means that we're we're happy enough for Starling to play 80 minutes. And I'm not going to go through him in, in uh, the plays we're going to review because I've spoken about Starling a bit, but I'm watching that situation because if it remains that you've got like a utility back on the bench and they stick with that, then it means someone like Starling is probably going to be playing 80 plus minutes and he plays around 13. So it's going to be an opportune time to maybe look at getting Randall out to him if you want that buyer cover too. But starting off on market, watch with this one, Andrew. One of your boys, Nanai, 
he is one of the most traded out players at the moment. The reason being is because he is now looks like he's peaked. He's got a break even of 79. He's come in having made 113,000. So he's certainly over that 100K mark. Uh, the Raiders aren't, you know, the greatest team in the world, but they can muscle up a little bit, which we saw a little bit of against the Storm for a while. And they've got a good forward pack. So he's 457,000. You can get quite a bit out of uh, Jeremiah Nanai by trading him at the moment. Um, one of my favourite trades, and I'll, I'll talk about this a bit later when we get to the Rabbits, is doing a Jeremiah Nanai trade straight to Campbell Graham by, a, you know, a Targo coming up for a little while or an Aitken coming up for a little while or something like that. But Nanai is being one of the most traded out players at the moment, right in the top there. Do you, as a Cowboys fan, see him as a trade out or do you think he's one of those guys that might actually start the cash rolling again? Mate, I think he's a really good trade out this week, actually. I think um, we can ignore the fact that the Cowboys are playing round 13 as well, like as in keeping him for a buy round number. Um, you know, with that break even of 79, um, he's made his cash, he's, he's done his dash. And if you look outside um, that 100 point game, his scores have been very average. I think what was it, three scores in the 30s and one in the 50s. So nothing to write home about, that's for sure. And that 100 is going to be dropping out of his rolling average. So he's going to be dropping quite quickly. One out of five games that you'd say would be, you know, worth playing in your 17. So, yeah, I'm all for the um, the Nanai trade-out this week. I 100% agree. I'm, I'm on the Nanai trade-out this week. And he's one of the few guys that I can see in my team that I think is a really good trade-out. Uh, on the market watch for the in, so a bit more controversial. So Ruben Cotter. Um, I had a few people ask me last week about Ruben Cotter and I was like, yeah, he's okay, but I just don't see him as a fantastic one because, um, you know, he'll make a little bit of cash, but he's got to be a guy that's, you know, probably going to get 50s um, and that's going to be about it. Um, he doesn't really have that much upside. And then, of course, the first, what, uh, 10 minutes, he made a line break. <laughs> so <laughs> I looked a bit silly, um, <laughs> but he came through and, and scored well last week. So Ruben Cotter came in, scored 71 points against the Warriors, would have still had like the 61, um, had that not happened with the line break anyway, I guess, or there was some tackle breaks in there. So you could argue 55 for me. But in three games straight now, he's had 54, 55, 53 base. That's basically who I thought he was as well. You know, he does have really high base. He's a good worker. People got him last week and made some cash out of him, which was good. He is now a guy that's, you know, already risen 50K on. He's now got a break-even of 11. So at 431,000, already making 50K, coming up against a bit of a harder rate of side, although he's, you know, his work rate kind of negates that a bit. He's been benched so for Hess. You know, as a Cowboys fan, what's your, what's your take on it? You know, is Ruben Cotter still going to get enough minutes for him to be a buy now? Or do you sort of say, which is what I'm thinking, he's already made his 50K. It's not really a train I can jump on right now, um, unless you think he's going to keep scoring 50 plus, and then maybe you can just hold him for the buy, I guess. Oh, best case scenario, mate, I'd say if, um, I mean, I wouldn't blame anyone for bringing him in this week. Um, yeah, you do miss out on the 50K, um, but this would be the last week, I'd say, um, especially when we're getting to that round six, round seven point um, point of the season. Um, I don't know. It's The base is, is quite decent. Um, what he's playing at anywhere between 50 and 60 minutes at the moment. Um with a PPM of about 1, 1.1. 1. 1. Um, no, I, I think, honestly, if you're not going to pick him up this week, this week isn't a bad choice, but if you if you don't, I think just forget it. And he's not one of those players that you look at and go, oh, you know, he could be all right for a buy-around number. You're going to have that um, you're going to have that issue where you've got that cash sitting in your team, but you, you might 
not necessarily play him each week. So it's just too much to have sitting on the pine. Yeah, it, look, I, I think he was better than what I thought he was last week as a pickup. Um, and I'll, I'll acknowledge that, but I don't think he was hugely better. <laughs> so I, I'm not big on him just, be, oh, God, just because no. of 431,000, I think it's just a bit much. So I'm really surprised that he's so high up in the trade-ins at the moment. And so many are jumping on him. Um, I, I didn't think he'd be that popular this week when it comes down to it. But when we're talking about sit and play in this one, uh, one guy for the Raiders that's been really, really good. And he's a guy as well that a few teams traded out to get on the Nico Hines train. And I know a few that even regretted it and jumped back on him, but Schneider, he scored 65 against the Storm on the weekend. He's now averaging 57 points a game, 35 raw base, goal kicking on top of that as well. And, you know, look, it's it's a good game against the Cowboys too. So not only would you be happy if you held him because he's still got a, a low single-digit break even, but you'd actually be playing him this week, I reckon. So I'm 100% playing him in the 17 against the Cows this week. I, I think he's a good play. Uh, and I reckon he's a good chance to go at 65 plus if you could do that against the Storm last week. Yeah, 100%. He's in my team. Um, I haven't jumped ship as of yet. He'll be in my 17 this week with a break even of five as well. Like it's it's not too late to jump back on him as well. He'll be round 13 coverage as well. So, I mean, gosh, a lot of wins there. So, yeah, he should be further up, I think, in the trade-ins. Um, but then obviously he wouldn't be because a lot of people have actually kept him and stuck to their guns. So, yeah, solid 17 play this week, mate. Yeah, and look, I think it's probably the people that we're speaking to are guys that might have sold him. Um, and I think that it's it's a, it's definitely a swallow your pride where you can actually get him in at the moment, still make a fair bit of cash because he's still got he's still got a hundred k plus in him for sure, and he's going to have that buy, and he's going to fluctuate enough where you can drop have one or two weeks of dropping and still get that money back and play for the buy. So he's also going to be a play this week. So certainly if you've got uh, a second half back that's not working out, somebody you need to jump off, um, then you could jump on him for sure still, I reckon. Jason Tomalolo in this one against the Raiders. Um, I'm just going to mention him just because we have the jewels drop. For those that didn't realise, you know, there's a few different points in the season now where our jewels will be looked at and there'll be potentially jewels added if somebody deserves it. And Jason Tomalolo got added at front row forward coverage. So he was a second row forward. He's now, as of this round, a front row forward as well. I think that's really valuable. So it's quite a coincidence that it's happened now because the last two weeks we've seen, I think, the low low that I expected at the start of the season that I didn't quite get. He's played 64 and 59 minutes the last two weeks, which is much higher than the 54 minutes he was averaging in the first three rounds. Uh, So we've got a 62-minute average the last two weeks. No coincidence that he's averaged 52 in raw base over that period as well. And he's actually got his two highest scores in 63 and 68. So all of a sudden, the last couple of weeks, he's close to a 65 average. And that's brought him to a 60 season average as well across his five. As a front row forward, that becomes a lot more valuable. So one of the things in this one that I'm keen on, with one of my other trades, I might actually be moving Tomalolo up front for this week. And if you don't own Tomalolo, uh, I do think that it's fine to have a look at him if not now, then down the track as a solid type of option that you can have for round 13 because he's a premium round 13 option at the moment you can get him at front row forward. So I know people, for example, are looking at Max King from the Bulldogs um, probably needing to be gotten rid of in the next couple of weeks. Um, Tom Alolo is, a, is, a, is an upgrade guy that you could look at where you could rent him through the buy period. So, But I, I reckon he's going to go 60-plus again against this Raiders side and they're going to need him because they've got a pretty big pack. Yeah, they'll definitely need him, yeah. Yeah. Um... 
mate, break even of 39 as well. So look, his price isn't going to, you know, fluctuate too much, but I think people really need to give him serious thought um, for round 13. He's, he's probably going to be one of your better round 13 options as well with that dual position. Um, he's probably going to go up, what, 15, 20K after this weekend. Um, so look, if he is not in your trade um, target this weekend, Give him serious thought next weekend. Um, but after that, you know, he'll he'll plateau a little bit. He'll be around that 550, 560K mark. And what I would say at the moment is that there's a few teams that are kind of stuck for trades because you're you're waiting for guys to mature to make a bit more cash before you can get rid of them. Um, you've gotten the guys, you know, at the start of the season that maybe you missed and stuff. And there's a lot of teams saving trades, which is really good. But also look at the fact that if you do need to get guys out and you're not sure who to get, it isn't it's definitely not too early to be planning for that first buy, you know, because we don't have like a, a five trade round before the buy or anything like that. You've got your trade boost that you can use up into it. And so things like this week, you know, if you've got someone you've got to get out and you don't know who you want in because you kind of got everyone and you don't have a Tom Alolo and you want him for that buy, like Andrew said, he's going to go up in cash and he's not going to go bad for you. And I actually think it's a, it's a decent week against the Raiders for him. So, you know, those are some things to think of for that upcoming buy too. Uh, look, with this one, I, I don't think there's any vice-captaincy or captaincy options, but top sport better the week. Got the Raiders at $1.60. So controversially, Andrew, top sport, I'm going to go with their favourite on this one and take the $1.60 for the Canberra Raiders. I'm sorry, mate. I know, you, I know you want the Cowboys to win. Mate, I want them to win, but I always bet with my head and my money's on the Raiders as well. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. $1.60 is actually not a bad price, but... Oh, I mean, it really depends on um, which Cowboys turn up on the day. Like, they have been producing the goods certain weeks. Let's face it, Raiders haven't been that great in certain weeks either. But, look, it's not going to be a high-quality game. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, and I think it's a bit of a coin flip game. Um, but you take um, take the Raiders at GIO Stadium for sure. Yeah, I think whoever's hoping ground this one was that you'd, you'd take them for that. Um, next one is South vs Bulldogs. Really interesting because I think a few weeks, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we would have said, "Oh, this is going to be a South. They're going to run rampant. It's going to be a South flogging over the Bulldogs." But we have Latrell Mitchell out, and it's now going to be approximately eight weeks he's out for. So Blake Tuff comes in for the Bulldogs. Kyle Flanagan retains his role, which is a big, big one in number seven, and that might be relevant for some uh, draft people who maybe don't have a halfback. He might be someone to keep an eye on. But a couple of reasonably big changes in this one, but obviously Latrell is huge. So the first thing with Latrell, okay, when we're looking at market watching, the, the most traded in player currently is Taff. And I'm going to be super controversial here. I kind of don't get it. And it's not that I don't get it as in like he's going to go badly to make you money. He's only 200K. He's going to make cash. He's got job security. He might goal kick um, as well, which is going to be great. But you know, I'm going to put him at fullback or at halfback. And that's where the value completely kills you for me. So really interested in your take here, Andrew, because I feel like I'm a little bit controversial with this one. Normally with a 200K goal kicker, security at fullback, playing in a good team that's got a great run coming up, ticks every box and you just run and try and get him in. But like, you can't get rid of a Schneider for him. Um, and Schneider's probably going to outscore him anyway or, or come pretty close. Uh, and Schneider's still making money himself. You're obviously not going to trade a Nico Hines or a Moses out or these premium options and people are eyeing off putting Cleary in at halfback in a couple of weeks. So there's no room for him at halfback, right? And then you're looking at fullback. Who am I going to trade? Pappenhausen? No. Uh, But all of a sudden, all these people are starting to trade out Teddy to Taff. And I don't get it. 
I know that TAF has good job security, but that is a huge downgrade in points. I don't care how badly Teddy has gone. And I think you're going to be left behind because it's a captaincy option. It's a big score option at fullback. Certainly, if you don't like Teddy, you know, I think it's wrong to trade him out. But there's other better fullback options in, and it's a premium points position. So I just don't think that you can leave one of your halfbacks or fullbacks out to get on TAF. And I think there's plenty of other options that you can get money from without having to jump on him. Yeah, it is. It's a really difficult one, actually. I totally get where you're coming from. Um, like, what are your options really to get Taff in? You either, you know, opt to go with him over Schneider, which I, I suppose coaches are looking at it going, well, um, Taff will arguably make more money than Schneider from here moving forward um, until Luttrell gets back, um, which is a fair call to make, I guess. Or on the flip side, like with Tedesco, um, I suppose with his performance in the, in the opening rounds of the season, um, the fact that he's got such a high BE and they thought, well, hang on, here's an opportunity for some money, um, you know, potentially putting him in their 17 as well. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm actually with you as well. I, I just can't see how you've got any room to get Taff in. And I'm, I'm actually someone that would keep Tedesco um, at this stage of the season as well, just for his upcoming draw. But, you know, it's a case of, I suppose, risk-reward with this one. Like, you know, Tedesco to TAF trade could pay off. And I suppose so could the Schneider to TAF as far as money goes. But is it really worth a trade, I suppose, is the, is the big thing. And I suppose that's where you're coming from as well. Is it really worth doing the Schneider to TAF trade? You're not going to be playing this guy as your, your main um, halfback, are you? And you're not going to be playing him as your main fullback. It's just way too risky. Um, obviously, we're valuing fullbacks a little bit less this year as well with Tedesco kind of, you know, uh, not producing the goods as much as he has in past seasons. If you're running the Pappenhausen and Heinz combo at fullback, is like, you know, you could argue that it is quite good. But, yeah, long story short, sorry, mate, I'm with you. Like, there's no room for Taff and there's no room for him in my team as well, so. I do feel that, that some of these uh, people's eyes that have lit up for their super coach teams for, for Taff to come in have kind of overvalued the sort of impact that he can have as well. Like it's a small sample size and certainly he's young, so he might go better. But like, if you look at last year, he had three games that he played 80 minutes and he started at one. And it's really good reading for anyone that's looking at punning a Tedesco or even another cash maker, you know, him and Schneider currently are, are a five and a four BE. There's nothing between them on the break evens at the moment anyway. Now, arguably Tafs will, will get better and he might have a chance to make a bit more money, but you know, are you really going to spend you know, an extra trade for 50 grand or something. I don't think you need to, but focusing on his numbers, right? Last year, three games, 80 minutes, 49 points, which included a try, 25 points and 47 points. So, you know, for a guy that averaged 35 points a game in his three starts at one last year, I wouldn't be tearing things down to get him in. And by the way, the the players, the, the teams that he played, he played the Cowboys, he played the Bulldogs, and he played the Dragons, and all three of those games were at home. Okay, <laughs> all three were at home against three of the bottom four teams off the top of my head. Um, you know, that's it's not great reading. Now, again, I'll, I will stress, and I say this to people a lot, so I will say it to myself. It is a small sample size, and he's young, so it could be better. Um, but it is a, it is an indicator just to consider that at the moment, Taff hasn't shown us anything to say he's going to average 65 points a game, even with goal kicking. Uh, and on the weekend, he didn't do that, right? He played 66 minutes, so he's 14 minutes short of his 80, but he only scored 39 points and he, he had 16 points in goals. You know, it's it just doesn't really add up 
you know, if you if you didn't have him at halfback or fullback or, or we didn't have these options that we do, sure, go for it. But I think he's been trading way too much. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And I, I don't think um, maturity and growth is, is uh, you know, a viable reason to get him in as well and to expect a significant growth in points. Uh, maturity only goes so far. So, yeah, it's a good point that you brought up those opponents from last year as well. Yep, yep. Uh, sit and play. Now, uh, Ilias, I, I played Ilias last week and um, I was hoping for a bit more against the Dragons, I have to say. Uh, but, you know, this week, surely playing the Bulldogs. You know, he got 39 <laughs> last week. Um, he got 55 the week before against against Penrith. I feel like that he's been playing better the last couple of weeks. He's got the Bulldogs and the Tigers in the next two weeks. Um, he, he's got a minus five break even, so he, he's making money. We're obviously not going to be looking at trading him out, but for matchup wise, I'm going to play him this week, um, and I'm expecting a 50 plus game, which I know is a low standard. But when you're talking about your 17th man, that can be quite valuable, Andrew. Yeah, agreed. And um, I mean, coaches like us that are probably going to play both Elias and um, Schneider. Gosh, that is <laughs> it would be, be making us a little bit nervous, I think. But but no, I think we just need to go with our gut here. And um, you're right, like Ilias is, is showing a lot of potential the last few weeks. So um, he'll be in my 17 as well. Yep. Uh, a few really good, interesting buys in this one that aren't being bought at the moment. So first one is is basically my buyer of the round for me, and that is Campbell Graham. And I, I cannot wait to get him in. I touched on him last week. We have spoken about Campbell Graham on this podcast. It isn't quite the Campbell Graham tribute podcast but it's, it's getting close okay <laughs> but that's fine he's been playing really well two tries in the last two weeks and he's got 74 and 72 points solid as a rock uh he's averaging 63 points for the season so far he only has one score out of five below 60 he does have three tries in his last five games but that's what he does when he's scoring well and he's got a 37 rule base still he still had a 35 rule base on the weekend had the offload going had the tackle breaks i believe he had a try contribution as well Against this Bulldog side, um, against their centre wings, I tend to think that Campbell Graham's going to go well. Um, he's got a low 20s break even and he's 525000 So it is one of those things where, you know, he's not super expensive, uh, but at the same time as well, you know, we've spoken about South Run many times and it really starts this week against the Dogs. I, I love him this week and you can go Nanai to him for uh, about 70 grand or something um, and use your, your jewels to do that. I think it's a great time to trade in Campbell Graham. He's still very much massively a pod and I'm all over him for this week and I think he's a great one to get in. He's a huge trade this week, mate. And um, yeah, a lot of people wouldn't have given him any thought whatsoever. As you said, that run coming up is insane, isn't it? Honestly, from from this week all the way through to the um, first buy round, it's insane. It really is. And um, I mean, who is their hardest opponent between now and the buy round? You'd, you'd probably say maybe... Broncos, I don't know. Then that's saying something, isn't it, really? <laughs> so um, just, yeah, quick rundown. Bulldogs, Tigers, Manly, Broncos, Warriors, Raiders, Tigers. Like, are you serious? That's insane. Um, and I think we'll see a lot of those attacking stats as well. Don't have to worry about the fact that he may um, be an origin inclusion because obviously South aren't playing 13. Um, because, I mean, if, if the troll is not named, then Campbell may jag a, a centre spot. Um, a lot of people would argue with that but it's generally a possibility um good trade-in mate yeah and i think people are scared off by the price tag to be honest but i wouldn't be considering those stats so i think this is a week you know last week i kind of said you could lay off if you need to if you've got other things where you can't decide you know you had a 60s break even so you could wait 
Um, now that his break even is down to low twenties, you can't wait. You sort of need to do it now because it will become a little bit expensive to get him in, and you'll lose a bit of value. We need to talk about the Bulldogs a little bit. Pangai Junior, I've spoken about it a few times. Uh, this is the quite low key. South Sydney in the past have actually given up some really big games to edge back rowers. Like Kickout scored, I think it was a hundred thirty point game last year against them. Edge back rowers can go well against this South Sydney side. And we have seen the Bulldogs trying, which I think is important. You know, obviously Panthers put them to the sword, but look, the last two weeks, Pangai Jr. has played the Penrith Panthers and the Melbourne Storm. So 62 and 82 points in those two. Um, he did have a try last week, but he's averaging like four offloads a game. He's getting the tackle breaks. And I really wanted to see last week before I looked at buying him what his minutes were, because I said, you know, he got 70 minutes against Melbourne, on the edge, you know, Heavington's obviously gone now for the year. I wanted to see it continuing. And he ended up playing the full 80 on the weekend. So 80 and 70 in the last two weeks, that's enough for me. I think at 560-odd thousand with a 40 BA, now's a good time to be looking at buying him. Uh, South's good, decent side, but they are a bit under strength this week. I think that he will go well with that forward pack. And he's got the Broncos the following week as well. So uh, he's, he's one of my better forward buys for this week if you can't afford the top guys. I think what we're seeing this week, Andrew, is some of the top guys are, are people like in the South Sydney side of Cam Murray. Over 700000 pretty hard to get these guys in. Maybe the consolation prize this week is someone like Pangai Jr. at 560 odd that's going to go up in price. Yep, good call. And, I mean, we can look at Pangai Jr. as, um, you know, the Tamalolo with a little bit extra, can't we? And a 563K, that's a that's a pretty solid deal. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a few guys there like Campbell Graham to um, Pangai Jr., over 500k, but um, you need to give these guys serious thought. Don't don't be scared to dish out the money. Absolute pod buy in this one. Um, kind of similar to to TPJ in a way, and then he's a bit of a strike uh, edge back row. Colin Tungi for the South Sydney Rabbits. Uh, now we're speaking about the Rabbits having a, the occasional game where they're giving up good edge good edge points. I tell you what, the Bulldogs give up bloody good edge points. They are they are absolutely hemorrhage on their edges. So. Carla Matangi last week against the Dragons scored 98 with a try. Um, the week before was 48, and then the week before was 86 with a try. He's got three 40s games that are basically averaging 48 points without a try. And he's one of the knocks that I do have on him. He's got a 44 raw base. He doesn't have near enough tackle breaks as what he should have. Um, but I am starting to see it come around the last few weeks, and he's getting tries as a result of it as well. You know, so... You can try and go for a run here, um, and it's going to be a pod run, and he's pretty expensive. So 585K, he's going to be more than someone like TPJ, and that's the risk with it, but he's only a few percent owned, so he's a massive pod. Um, you can say the Bulldogs and the Tigers the next two weeks, he, he's going to go for a try, and you're probably going to average 90 points over that period at a minimum. Uh, obviously, then he's got Manly, but you know they're not going that well. But then he hits the Broncos and the Warriors. So certainly when I'm looking ahead, I'm thinking that's pretty good. And then I'm like, oh, no, he doesn't play the bye, but he does play the Raiders and then the Tigers again. So when you have the Tigers' edge and the Bulldogs' edge three out of your next seven games, that is a type of guy that if you're relying on tries, he can actually produce. So I'm not going to get on him, but I do think that he is the, the pot option in this game uh, that could actually catapult you a little bit at a few percent ownership. 
Yep, totally agree. And um, I mean, look, you know, just be wary as well. Like he is 50k up on his starting price um, for those coaches considering him anyway. Like if he doesn't get those tries, um, you know, it will be a bit of a, a bomb. Um, and he hasn't got the DPP status like Tom Lolo and Pangai Jr. either. He's just available in the second row. Um, so yeah, he's 50k up on his starting price. Um, you know, definitely consider him due to that draw. Um, he does have the potential there. He's obviously an 80-minute player. Um, but yeah, risk reward with that one. But agree with you, it could be the pop move that um, boosts you up the ranks. Yep, yep. I, I tend to prefer TPJ. I think he's matchup proof. But uh, I could see someone looking at Kalamatangi. I just just be aware that it might not work, and you've got to cop your 40s when they're coming in because they're going to come in probably half the time. Uh, Cody Walker. Now, when we're talking about players of concern in this one, he was my buy of last week. I loved buying Cody Walker last week. Uh, and, you know, absolutely blew up in my face. So I put my hand up for that one, but I'd do it again. You know, playing the Dragons, I thought it was a good one. And he scored 10 points with 15 base. So he's, uh, how bad he went cannot be understated. Um, he certainly, nothing was coming off. He was looking disinterested. You know, people might call me crazy, but look, sometimes you've got to look at the mathematics of things. He's playing the Bulldogs for a start, okay? You know, the Dragons were a good matchup, granted. The Bulldogs are an even better one, and the Tigers a week after are even better. He has to come good eventually because mathematically, he's averaging 33 points a game. And, you know, it's 85, 85 to 61 points is his last four years. He's not going to average 33 points a game. Even if he averages um, a 55 average for the next, you know, at the end of the year, if he's a 55 average, he's still going to have to have a run of games right now where he scores 60 to 70 points a game at a minimum to be able to get that average up. So mathematically, it's got to happen at some point. And now it has to, surely. We've got Latrell out for this one. Uh, So it's even more responsibility on Cody Walker's shoulders. Blake Taff is not... Uh, that much of a playmaking type of player. He's not going to demand the ball as much as what a Latrell Mitchell will. So I tend to think that he's going to have as much opportunity. It's just whether his attitude and his head's screwed on and ready for it. But the Bulldogs could easily play him into form. Am, am I crazy for staying on the Cody Walker train here? I No, no. If you've already got Cody Walker, I think the only right move, to be honest, is to hold him. Um, especially if you're someone who's actually had him from the start and you've already lost that 200k like now isn't the time to to jump ship um especially with that draw coming up you've made a <clears throat> you've made a really good point with um the fact that latrell's out too cody's gonna have a lot more responsibility um he's one of those ones that if you don't own him um i wouldn't be picking him up this week quite yet he's got a break even just over 100 he'd still be in the wait and see category there because now that he's gone down to 530k he'd be a really appealing buy if he can string a couple of good games together and and don't think that you've um you know missed out if you if you don't trade him in this week and he produces the goods um he has numerous games ahead of him against weak opponents so if you don't own him wait and see for another week or so if you already own him he's an obvious hold yeah, for sure. And I'll go one step further. He's a high consideration for me to vice captain. I was talking at the start about, I mean, he's, he's under 3% ownership. Yeah, fair call. Yeah. And he's the second game, so it's easy, very easy to loop with him. And he's got the potential for big scores. And he's going to be one of those guys that's a massive pod play if you can loop. So uh, really big vice captaincy option. And that might sound crazy to some people when he's just scored 10. But again, you know, all these guys that have low scores that are, been guns for several years. They're going to have big scores. We just saw it with David Fafita, came good on the weekend. 
these guys can't just score 10, 20 points, you know, for weeks on end. And Cody's been doing that and it has to improve. Bulldogs are a great matchup for him. Top spot better the week on this one. I tell you what, Souths are going to be short odds, but the line is only minus 10 and a half. So top sport might be thinking, you know, maybe with the trail out, Souths are going to struggle hugely. They weren't putting on a cricket score against the Dragons. The Bulldogs have been trying hard. I'm going to go for the minus 10 and a half. Um, I do think that it might be a bit of a, a tighter tussle, but I think the Souths will score points, and I, I think they'll win by that. So $1.90, pretty decent for them. Panthers and Broncos, um, nobody getting traded in for market watch on this one. Uh, the big news for it, though, is that Payne Haas is obviously out, but it's only for one week, so that's not anything major. Um, and for the Panthers, we, we've got the same side, and we're probably going to see that most weeks now unless there's injuries. But market watch traded in. Heap of people jumping on May. I am so surprised that he wasn't owned by everybody. <laughs> but, um, Where was the 100% ownership? I don't get it, really. Well, look, we can say that 10% of teams aren't playing, so I expected 90%, but, you know, it's. I think it's about um, just under 50% it was after last round because everybody was getting him in. Look, I don't know why you missed out on May. If you did, he's still got a minus 50-odd break even um, playing the Broncos this week. He's over 400,000, but... He's gone 106, 97, and 86. Now, to put that in context, though, he has scored three, two, and one try. But just scoring one try on the weekend got him to 86 points. He has a raw base of 27, uh, but he's got phenomenal tackle breaks. Uh, and so he's he's really got a floor of mid-40s. You know, he's only had a few games now, so certainly this might change. It is a small sample size. But at the moment, he's almost Brian Tyo-like. Um, with maybe a little bit less runs, but more scoring ability on that wing. So if you've missed out on him, Andrew, um, playing against the Broncos this week, he's a big play, um, and he's also a big trade-in still because he's still going to make at least another 100K. Young May might get up to six, 700K the way he's going. Oh, for sure, yeah, and yeah. I don't, I don't really know why that ownership percentage isn't through the roof. It's, it's crazy. We've seen, you know, more than enough <laughs> from him to to prove that is a good trade in option. Um, we're getting also getting close to that point now where um where we don't know what's going to happen once um Toto returns. Um, you know, you've got the theory where May's just going to drop out altogether, or you've got a, another theory where Staines should be worried. Um, on the other wing, um, but you know. We can hope that May stays in and actually plays that round 13 by as well. They're playing against the Bulldogs in round 13 as well, which is awesome. Um, yeah, he, he's an obvious trade-in. Um, as, as we're talking about before, considering vice-captaining this guy against against the Broncos, um, I actually think I'm going to do it. Why not? I mean, I want to I want to make up for last week, so I might give that a crack. Get on him, and and don't even worry about the Tito scenario. To be honest, I mean, a guy in this form as well, it's going to be very difficult for the coach to drop him completely. And Staines hasn't really been playing the house down either. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are, mate, on on what's going to happen once Tito returns. I I don't see any way. Like Staines has played bad enough to get dropped now, so I don't see any way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and I think I'm pretty sure both May and Tito have played the other side before. So and certainly may not at first grade level, but um, so they aren't they aren't these wingers that are like set on their side that have never ever moved, um, which you do get sometimes nowadays. I'm pretty sure that both have played on the other side, so they're going to be pretty interchangeable. And we've seen that in the Panthers side, right? We've seen plenty of times where kickouts change sides, Crichton's change sides, different things like that. So I don't think Cleary's one of those coaches that's going to be too worried about that. I just don't think they're going to be able to leave May out. So I do. 
I'll go one step further too, right? And, you know, this is looking at this week. I, I think that he's going to, he's got a ton of potential this week. So you don't just, people are looking at him like, well, I need to buy him to make money. You know what? You need to buy him to get the points because at the moment, he's going to get points this week. And when you're looking at that big shiny gun for 700K, he's probably going to get outscored in center wing by this guy. Uh, but the bigger thing with that is, don't just look at these guys for how much money they're going to make. You need to look at it because every year, these type of guys like a May come through and actually end up being keepers. And it happens, you know, reasonably often. You had Angus Crichton when he came through as a rookie that was a jewel. You had him in your centre wing and people sold him out, but he ended up being a keeper in centre wing. May can easily become a keeper in centre wing in this Panthers side. So you need to also look at the value of, if I get him in at 400,000, I've actually got 200K value there because he's probably, if he becomes a keeper, going to be like a 600K type of player. So all of a sudden you've got 50% value for your points on what you're bringing in. So you're kind of hedging your bets a bit. You don't know what's going to happen, but best case scenario, don't, don't even worry about the money. You're getting him in cheap for a guy that you keep in your center wing, right? Yeah, exactly right. And if I can pick up a keeper for 400K, it's it's happy days. Um, anyone who is worried about what's happening with May, obviously, let's keep in mind Broncos this weekend, Raiders and Titans the week the week after. So three um, very favourable games there. And um, Tyo, I think, is around nine return at an estimate with his knee injury. So, um, you know, May's got an absolute minimum of three or four more rounds in him, but more than likely he'll be um, he'll be there till season's end. So the curious case of Nathan Cleary here when we're looking at um, break-evens for this one. Now, when we're looking at break-evens, guys, it's not just about the negative and low break-evens that you need to look at. You need to look at the real high ones, and I've spoken about this before, because those are guys that are going to be of interest in the coming weeks and you need to plan ahead. But Nathan Cleary's got a 212 break-even, and this is going to be his first price change because he's now played his two games. 950000 I'm not going to go over how you shouldn't be buying him because I've said it a million times. Still shouldn't be buying him. Um, but 220-odd break-even, um, you know, he can turn up and he's still going to lose an absolute mozza. Um, I can see him going well against the Broncos, but last week he scored 57, which is certainly better than his 34 the week before. I do think that he looks a bit better and a bit more comfortable, and I think we're going to see that more and more. In two weeks' time, going to get him for maybe 250K less, and that's probably the time to have a look at maybe getting him in, or maybe you even wait until that mid-origin period because we need to see him actually producing, which you know, I think a lot of teams are not looking at it that way, Andrew. I think a lot of teams are looking at it like this week against the Broncos or last week against the Bulldogs. I want, I want Cleary in my side. Uh, but I, I know Wilfred, who's on this podcast plenty and on the Champions podcast, has a very similar view to me where you kind of want to see it first. You, you want to see him starting to score points because he's only going to keep getting cheaper until he does. Uh, and the points that you're worried about missing out on, you, you know, you might wait three weeks for those to come through. And over those three weeks, it kind of averages out, which is what's going to happen for guys who got him in round four, right? Cleary can go 120 this week. Uh, and it's still only going to equate to maybe a 55 average or something across that three weeks. So, it doesn't really matter that much. Let this week go. Don't buy him. But he's a big watch at his break even on where he's going to go from here. Yeah, don't, don't even consider him at all. Um, I, I'm, I'm shocked that people actually um, had him, to be honest, um, upon his return, paying over 900 k for a player, um, even of Cleary's calibre coming off injury. You've got to have big balls to get him in um, at that price. He's definitely a wait and see, and you'll need to see back-to-back games before you even consider this guy. Um, he's going to drop a, a monster amount of cash. So Katoni Stacks has now gone up in money. 
108 points versus my Roosters. Uh, gave Momorowski an absolute bath. I was embarrassed at, at Momorowski on the weekend. How he was defending him was How awful. good was Staggs? Like, that was nuts. Yeah. Oh, Staggs is great. Like, oh, full credit to Staggs. Um, and he certainly gave some other guys a, a few problems. But Momorowski defended him awfully. So that'll be a wait and see. Because, like, I don't know, Andrew, you tell me with this one, right? When we're looking at the numbers, he's now about 425,000. A lot of people jumped off him last week. They're not going to want to jump back on. But a lot of people like me didn't ever, didn't ever get on. And you kind of look at it and go, well, minus 10 BE, 108, and he's rolling average. You know, he's probably going to go pretty well. But then I look at it this week and go, well, you know what? I don't really want to play him against Penrith because it's probably going to be a 35-point score. So a bit torn, you know, do you get him in and think that he's going to go on a run or do you get him in because he could make some money, but, you know, then maybe it all doesn't happen and he gets back-to-back weeks of scoring 30 points. You know, where do you see Stags from here as a buy? Um, definitely not this week. A hundred percent not this week. You got a guy who hasn't um, broken forty points before that hundred points against the Roosters last week. Um, you know, it's that whole case of okay, he's he's produced the goods once in five weeks. Why consider him at all? And again, why consider him against arguably the best team in the competition? Also, they've got the Sharks as well, a great defensive team in three weeks' time. And then he's got the Rabbitohs straight after. So he hasn't exactly got a, a fantastic draw. The argument against that was that, well, he just produced 100 points against a solid team in the Roosters. Um, but in, in, in a nutshell, one game out of five scoring above 40 points, um, playing against Penrith this week, no, no chance in hell. That'll probably do it for the Panthers-Broncos games. We've already given our way our, our VCC option. I, th- I think that definitely um, you could look at a May. Look, if you do own Cleary, you could look at him as a VC. Definitely don't put the C on him, though. Top score better of the week on this one, though. six for the Panthers. So I don't think that you can really get on him. But what you can do is have a look at try scorers. Have a look at any time try scorer on Top Sport. And you'll see to score a try any time, Taylor May is $1.58. Now, that might sound a bit you know, low, but keep in mind, he's now scored one, two, and three tries in his last three games, and he's playing against the Broncos. So I would be, you know, all over this one. I think the Broncos are going to get absolutely towered up by the Panthers, especially without Haas there. And May is a certainty to go over the line for $1.58. So I love that one. Uh, Manly versus Titans. As far as changes go in the in the Titans side is the big one. We've got Jaden Campbell not yet recovered. So Osaka gets another reprieve to start at fullback. Uh, and that's probably the big one because I think a lot of people are, uh, for feeder owners in particular, are worried about him coming back in and not passing him the ball. Um, but other than that, you know, pretty stock standard. When we're looking at trade-outs, Bullimore is very stock standard. He needed to be traded out. I'm, I, look, I don't mean to take joy in other people's misery, Andrew, but I do take joy occasionally in some player calls. And in the preseason, I was shocked that Big Tino was being picked in so many sides. I think it was something like 30% of teams owned Tino. He, he had some solid games. And there's a couple of games where people said, yeah, see, because he scored like 89 points in round three versus Canberra. But, you know, even with that 89-point game in his last five, he's averaged 55 a game. That's less than his last two years. He's played equally the most minutes that he's ever played. And he scored 34 points on the weekend against the Parramatta Eels. He needs to be traded out, uh, break even of you know, in the 90s and 535,000. It, it makes sense that he's a big trade out in market watch this week for this game. Oh, perfect timing, isn't it? Like, get rid of him. Um, yeah, I, I remember you and I were actually speaking about this guy preseason. Um, I think we both agreed that it wasn't really justified um, to get him in. Um, 
I don't know, I, I'm, from memory, I think we were trying to be nice at some stage and actually find the positives with getting him in. But I just don't think he's competitive for his position. Um, even even that uh, DPP status, second row forward, front row forward, um, you got that luxury of stopping players around. It's, it's simply... Um, uh, he is simply not worth it. I mean, he's not there for um, buy period either. He's producing very average scores. As you said, that one score that was um, 89 was probably the only decent score he's produced. But um, look, with, with that um, with that 89 break even, it's kind of giving you an excuse to kind of cut your losses and just jump ship now. Yep, 100%. Um, that's, that's really important cash that you could use elsewhere this week. Um, although... I do think this is a decent matchup. Like, I think Manly Titans is a pretty decent matchup and there could be points all around. Uh, market watch in, the number one player getting traded in is Young Cooler. For good reason. He's back in the side after a one-week off with a cork. He's starting at centre. The last game he started at centre the week before last, he scored 59 points and looked fantastic. Minus 7 BE, that's actually going to grow hugely once the four drops out from um, a couple of games ago. And he's going to get another massive negative BE after this week, regardless of what happens, really. So 175K, you know, we don't like saying must-have, but is he a must-have this week? Um, close to. Let's not forget that he'll more than likely play around 13. Like, why not add him to your round 13 numbers and um, get the ball rolling on your buy prep as well? So, um, yeah, all, all arrows point to yes to get this guy in. So, um, yeah. He's, he's already in my team. He's, he's been sitting on the bench, so um, lucky me. I can save a trade there. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things, too, is that, I mean, I'll ask you, are you going to play him? Because, you know, I, I probably haven't seen enough of him yet, but what I have seen I really liked, and 59 points last time, um, which had a try assist in it, but no try, that's pretty good, and the Titans can give up those points. Mate, it's really difficult this week because um, I, I really do want to want to play him. Um, I've got some other decent centre wings there to play, and which means that he'll probably be one of my reserves. But to actually think that um, uh, we've got what Ilias and Kula and Schneider all as um, reserves—that's that's making me so nervous. Honestly, <laughs> it really is. It could be a total disaster. Um, I don't know if you've heard either, but uh, I, I'm not sure. Um, what the credibility is on this, but I have heard that Cool is not a certainty to start, so we need to keep an eye on that um, that that late mail as well, um, just to make sure he is actually going to take the field. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, I haven't heard that um, myself, but geez, I'd be really surprised. But you know, it is it is a bit of a risk with these type of players as well, young guys that haven't played much first grade that have Des Hasler as their coach. <laughs> these things these things <laughs> find a way of happening. So, yeah, you, you do got to be careful. It's a really good point from Andrew. Um, look, when we're looking at um, BEs, a guy that sticks out is a guy that I really don't want to talk about. <laughs> it's uh, Saab. Now, you don't really oh, want to talk about guys like Saab because he just scored four points um, and he's got a 60s BE. But the reason why I'm bringing it up is because whilst his BE stays reasonably high, he's going to get close to rookie price. So he's 289000 at the moment. He's an absolutely, absolutely abysmal buy when Turbo's not playing. But, you know, a few weeks Turbo's back. He's going to play around 13 as well without Turbo, so he's going to at least give you a number. But you expect him to go on a try-scoring run. You know, this is a guy that scored an average of a try a week last year, and he hasn't scored any so far in five games. Now, obviously, with Turbo, it's probably not going to happen. But at 289,000, 63 BE, four in his rolling average now, four points in 80 minutes, by the way, with eight base. That is the worst ever if Kieran Foran didn't score zero on the weekend for Manly. 
in 80 minutes. It would have probably been the worst <laughs> ever. But Saab legitimately, like in all seriousness, in two weeks, he could be 220K. And for a buy number and a guy that has to go up at some point, that's that's a bit of a downgrade watch there on his BE. Yeah, look, let, let's let's try to find the positives here. He's, he's someone that we can definitely put on our watch list, I suppose, as for, for the reasons you just mentioned. Um, but 28 is the magic number. 28 is the highest score that Cyber scored in, in five weeks, um, which is obviously abysmal. And um, yeah, he's just just put him on your watch list, and um, yeah, he could be around thirteen number. If you can pick up someone like Saab for you know close to to rookie price, then then why the hell not? He'll be a downgrade somewhere. Obviously, people are going to be you know stressing about having an AE nightmare in their team, which is a, a very fair point. But yeah, look, chuck him on your watch list. That's basically the best you can do with Saab at this stage. Yeah, I mean, ideally, you want him when when Turbo comes back for that to marry up nicely, um, but. The AE stuff is a good point. I, I more wanted to talk about how he scored four points in 80 minutes, so I had to find a way to bring that up as well. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be talked about, honestly, yeah. I suppose um, a, a big downfall too is like, you know, do do we really want him for round 13? What's he actually going to produce without without Turbo in round 13 as well? Is he going to give us another four yeah, points? Yeah, well, I mean, I there's that as well. <laughs> he could. Uh, I'm, I'm, I think, like, he even has a season in 2020 where he averaged 30 points a game, so it's not far off his 19 that he's on now. Uh, but you got to remember to average things out as well. He still has to average like 45 points a game to probably get to that sort of 30-point average now because he's averaging so low. So, again, the mathematics, he's got to go on a run of scoring a lot better than what he currently is. Um, whether you've got the big balls to go for that um, or to have it as an AE or to even spend 200K on it, you know, that's another thing. But it is a consideration and something that I'm sort of looking at because there isn't that many round 13 options and I'm going to need to downgrade someone in a few weeks. So... Just keep that in mind, but also keep in mind that he just scored four points on the weekend. Uh, <laughs> a, a manly guy of interest that I do like, though. Had a heap of questions about Ol Kawatu last week, and I was telling people, do not sell him. There's no reason to at the moment. And he came out, scored 83 points with a line break try. He's now gone two weeks in a row, right, where he's gone 56 and 83. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, that 35-point score against the Bulldogs is a bit of a distant memory because at least he's gone 50-plus in four out of his five. Uh, and he's showing that uh, attack ability there as well. And he's coming up against the Gold Coast Titans this week. Not only was I telling people to hold last week, uh, I actually really was looking at him myself because he's another guy where I look ahead and he's playing around 13. And he's only 520,000 and he's now got a BE of around 30. So now is kind of an opportune time. And I can see him scoring 70 plus this week against that Titans edge. So I actually quite like him, not only not to sell him last week, but to play him this week. And I'm, I'll be honest, I looked at him as a potential buyer this week. I don't think I'll do it, but I think that he's going to be a really good play this week against the Titans. Yeah, I actually think he's, um, he's one that people need to consider and, and for your reasons as well. So round 13 availability, he's producing the goods. Um, that one-off game against the Bulldogs, yeah, we can forget as well. Um, look, I think one thing that people maybe um, like thinking about as well is, oh gosh, have I missed out on this guy? But we need to realize he's still only 10K higher than his starting price. Um, started the season at 512. He's only 523 now. Um, doesn't have the luxury of DPP, but that's okay. He's, he's producing the goods. And, you know, for four out of his um, five games to be above 50 points, that's a, a solid achievement. And um, yeah, he'll be a good play this week. Um, it, I'm just just thinking about too, like you know, if you if you are thinking about players like um, Ola 
Kuatu, um, Pangai Jr., Tamalolo, stuff like that. You've really got a big decision on your hands this week, honestly, because um, all these guys are above 500k. Let's not forget um, Graham, but um, there, there's four guys right there that are decent buys this week that um, that are all over half a million dollars. So make sure you do your homework on these guys before you trade in. It obviously depends on the makeup of everyone's team, if you like where you do need players and all that sort of stuff. I'm not sure who you would pick out of all those four, mate. Like if you had to choose between all four, but I'd actually be leaning towards Graham. I think he's got a, a higher ceiling and I don't think he'll bomb out at all with that run. But yeah, just saying, just pointing something out there. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go with you on Graham. Graham's my pick. Um, and I think TPJ is the secondary one for me. But um, yeah, Graham for sure. Um, when we're looking at captaincy options for this one, David Fafida, 107 points last week. Manly Edge has been terribly susceptible, although they've fixed that a little bit by dropping Bullimore out. He is someone that can go on a bit of a run. He's someone that can score big. He took five games to score his try, but he got it on the weekend. It resulted in not only 107 points, but it also resulted in his best base all year at 48 raw base. And, you know, that could be a sign that he's going to start rolling. I'm not scared of Manly like I was before. Obviously, no turbo. Um, and obviously, as well, their edges, like I mentioned, have been susceptible. So. If you own for feeder, you know, I'd VC him in this one. Um, but would you have the balls to outright see him and just sort of ride the ton from last week? Uh, no, the, the only reason I wouldn't put the big C on for feeder would be the um, the potential of the other options. Like, obviously, for feeder doesn't have a well, he's got a decent ceiling, as we know, but he hasn't got a massive ceiling. But um, I'd be more tempted to go towards those um, either either roosters or eels players, to be honest, for the for the big C. So that that's solely the reason why I wouldn't do it. Yep, it's a very fair point. Um, I think that he's a decent VC shout. I'm going to throw up someone that um, not many people own and he never gets spoken about. Daily Cherry Evans um, as a VC stab. Um, he's been consistent as he scored 60, 60, 62, 80 and 69. And I haven't really spoken about him much uh, because of all the other great halfback options like Moses going nuts and Nico Hines being one of the top players in the game at the moment for this year. But Quietly, Daly Cherry Evans is averaged 66 points a game, and he's done that without hitting a ton yet. Uh, and playing the Gold Coast Titans at home, this is the type of game where you could see a bit of a DC masterclass where he goes, you know, 120 plus, and that could be real pod VC material. So if you own Daly Cherry Evans, uh, I'm going to pinpoint him as a, a bit of a dark horse one. Before we move on to the next game, now's a great time to mention a fantastic sponsor of the All Stars podcast in Top Sport. Topsport.com.au is where you can go, but you can also download their app. They are a fantastic 100% Australian-owned bookmaker. I've already spoken about some great odds that I like, but they often have best odds in market, not just on NRL as well. They've got great odds in racing and also all the other sports NBA playoffs are about to start too. And I've been hammering that because there's some great, great odds this week already released for this week's playoff matchups in the NBA too. But if you are going to gamble, make sure you do it responsibly, but make sure you jump on and give Topsport a go. The other great thing that they have, which I let people know about on Twitter a couple of times, was that they now have player performance markets. So you can actually do fantasy betting on points. Different scoring system to what Supercoach has, um, but certainly pretty similar thinking. So if you think you're good at Supercoach and you like to have a punt, have a gamble on the player performance markets you can find on Top Sport in the NRL. They often come out the same day or, or day before of the games. But if you are going to jump on, make sure you use our promo code. That's SC All-Stars when you create an account. That way they'll know that you're one of the All-Stars podcast listeners and they'll take great care of you. Top sport, get on them. Next game, Andrew, Storm and Sharks. 
this is a blockbuster. I'm going to say, you know, as a Roosters fan, this is my favourite game this round. What about you? <laughs> easy. Easy the game of the week, honestly. As a Cowboys fan, it's just anyone outside the Cowboys usually. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this is going to be a cracker. I, I actually, like... This will be a lot closer than what people think, to be honest. I know a lot of people will be edging towards the storm. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, I will be tipping the storm. But uh, I do love the Sharks' defense. And I think this will be a, one of those, you know, either team by um, either team 1 to 12 in this one. So, yeah, it should be a cracker. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think it'll be a really competitive game. And, and it'll be a real good litmus test of where the Sharkies are at. Um, when you have a look at the, um, the changes... Look, there's not a huge amount. Tyron Wishard's on the bench, so that indicates that Brandon Smith is going to play in the middle and not go to hooker, and it might also indicate that we might get 65, 70 minutes minimum out of Grant too, um, potentially even bigger, which would be great um, for the Shark side of things. We've got basically the same side for this one. So we're having a look at the options for Storm Sharks um, on Market Watch, first of all. Xavier Coates, he's being traded out like crazy. I've even got people that traded him in like two weeks ago that are trading him out and I'm speaking to. I honestly can't believe it. Like one of the thing, things that I've said on Xavier Coates, whenever anyone has asked me in the preseason or since during the year, if you're sold on him scoring a lot of tries, you know, he's going to have some decent scores and certainly round four, he scored 87 points. But when he drops uh, one of his low scores, you've got to live with that because that's what's going to happen. You can't just punt him because he's going to get those. So decide that you're going to accept that before you make the decision to actually get him in. He's got a raw 18 base. He has always had base in the teens this year in every single game. Uh, and there was a post in Supercoach Central that said, what happened to Coates on the weekend? And it was like, well, Coates did what Coates does. He scored 15 points because he had 17 points base and he didn't score a try. The other three games, he had 19 points base, 19 points base, 16 points base. But he scored a try in each of those. So you just got a taste of what happens if Xavier Coates does not score a try. <laughs> if you brought him in for his tries, you need to cop that and just hold him, I think. But, you know, he does have a BE in the 40s now. Certainly if you've had him from the start, I understand that maybe you want to jump off to a better option. I agree there is much better options. Um, but I just, I'd be tempering expectations a bit. If you're just jumping off because you're annoyed that he got 15 points, then, then maybe don't. Um, but he's also... Got some reasonable games coming up still too. You know, after the Sharks, he's got the Warriors, the Knights, and then the Dragons. That's a decent three-game trip after the Sharkies. So just think about it a little bit, I think is what I'm saying, Andrew. I think there's some conclusions being jumped to there. I was going to make a jump to conclusions, Matt, joke, but I then realised that a lot of people probably wouldn't have seen that movie from the 90s. <laughs> Mate, actually, I'd, I'd jump off completely. Uh, not, not for, uh, I mean... You're totally right with what you said, but um, I, I suppose just because I don't rate the guy, um, expectations on this guy. I mean, he's replacing Adokar, who, um, you know, did a similar thing as well. He didn't really score that well unless he got some tries. Um, look, I can understand why people are annoyed that he scored 15 points against a team like Canberra last week. Like, that's something you'd probably more expect against a team like the Sharks or, or, um, uh, anyone decent, but to get that against Canberra, that's shocking. Um, look, I suppose Coates at 438k, like you know, um, there are other options that you can you can trade to that are much better, in my opinion. Um, you could spend the extra 100k and get Graham in as well. I know we're hammering the whole Graham thing this podcast, but that's actually a really good trade in my eyes. Um, oh, he deserves it. Yeah, yeah for sure. but don't, yeah, as you said, don't jump off just because you're frustrated um, about last week's points. Like if you got him, you got him in for a reason. And um, yeah, just, just, just keep rolling with it. If you, if you 
want to back your reasons from preseason. But um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I'm the same as you, mate. Just not a fan in general. Look, so. oh, I never was. It's just that if you ended up buying him, then you obviously disagreed with me. So you kind of need to stick with exactly, it for a bit. Yeah. Now, now, if you had him from the preseason and you're selling him now, I get it. You've given him long enough and maybe you thought he was going to go better than what he did with the tries. You know, the first two weeks he scored 45 and 60, sure. But if you just bought him the last couple of weeks, it's it's wasting trades. You know, the, the same reasons that you bought him, you should probably hold him. If you think that you've made a massive error, okay, sure. You, you could try and fix it. But just make sure that you're thinking through the, your future trades because if you trade every centre wing out that's going to score a bad score, um, you're going to run out of trades very, very quickly. With the trade-ins for this one, Harry Grant, everyone should be trading him in, number one hooker in the game. Not going to talk about him again. Scored again in the eight. Uh, oh, actually, he got down data, didn't he, to like 79. He was like 91 for a while, but we digress. King, though. Now, King, I'm I'm really upset I didn't get on King, but I just didn't. Um, he scored a couple of tries now this year. Or one try, sorry. Um, got some attack as well. 69 points against the Raiders on the weekend. He's now 455,000, got a 20s BE. Uh, look, he played 68 minutes on the weekend, right? So it was way up from his 50 the week before. If Brandon Smith is exclusively going to play middle, though, maybe that drops back down to 50. I'm not going to, like, if you've got King, like, well done, because I really should have gotten on him and I didn't. That's going to be one of the guys that I missed. But, Andrew, at this point of the season, 455,000 already. Should people be jumping on him as a top 10 trading this week? Do you think there's still that much money to be made or that he's even, you know, scoring 60 points a game at the moment, going to keep that up and be a front row forward keeper? Uh, I don't see any sign of that slowing down, to be honest. And I think he's actually a solid trade in this week, um, especially with a 20 break even. Uh, he's also got that, you know, dual second row, front row forward. So, um, you know, the, the only downside, I suppose, to getting him in this week is is arguably there are, numerous better options um but i suppose king does bring that stability in um to your side and, and um something that is needed in the in the front row forwards especially um i was lucky enough to to start the season with king um, i got both kings in to start the season with um but yeah he's, he's not a bad trade-in at all i've just I'd just be prioritising other players over him that's all but if you're lucky enough to own those people already then then yeah he's a solid choice yeah, I guess I guess for me, I'm probably a little bit dirty that I don't have him, but um, it's <laughs> I just don't see a lot of upside. You know, I just, I really don't. I know that he's had a couple of good scores there, but you know, three out of his five scores have been 56, 51, and 41 as well. Um, he's a good player. You know, he was good to play. If you got him, hold him. But I just think there's better upside options. You know, I'd rather save an extra 70K for next week's trades and get in someone else, you know, get in Olaquadu next week or through Jules or um, get in Tom Malolo for almost the same price this week. You know, there's other front That's row forwards totally you fair. can get in. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, aside from traded in in market watch, we've also got the BE look and there's some guys that have peaked. So Wilton's got a 70-odd BE. I'd be trading him. But the big sit and play question, Andrew. Now, there's a lot of guys like Nico Hines that are heavily owned. You know, almost half of super coaches have him, along with some other Sharks players. Normally, you know, you're, you're perennially scared of the storm and you don't really want to be playing guys against him. You're obviously going to play Nico Hines, but what about some of these other fringe guys? Like if you got on a, a Sione Katoa who blitzed it on the weekend and scored a ton, absolutely love him, uh, but he's a winger that needs to tries um if you're on a ramian train who blitzed it on the weekend but can have some poor games 
you know, these type of guys that aren't named Nico Hines, basically, do you sit your Sharks this week and look at other options or do you just hold strong and play them? If you're someone like me, um, I have a, a rule of thumb. Any any back that's playing against the Storm, I, I normally shove them to the side and forget about them, honestly. Like the Storm um, have a habit of holding backs to, to zero in, in, in terms of attacking stats. Um, if you're just going to rely on base, um, then, yeah, forget about it. So I am... I am pretty um concrete on that opinion though I, I just simply don't play backs against storm what about yourself mate um I'm, i normally agree um i think that the thing is swaying me and by the way i'm going to caveat this by saying you're 100 playing nico hines and not only that i actually think you have a good game you know it's yeah. obviously his first game against his club the uh, old club the storm um i think you'll have a massive game um and like massive against the storm might only be 75 points but for him that's pretty low but it's a very big play still. You know, I, I still like him to play well this week. The other guys, look, oh, I, I tend to agree with you, um, but I just, I really see the Sharks as a, as a, a team that's building every week. And I, I and I don't see, I think the Storm are playing really well, but I don't think they're the juggernaut that they used to be where you're that scared of them either. You know, I, I tend to think that the Sharks are still going to put on some points. And I think that the Sharks are going to step up to this more than what the Storm are, I reckon. I think the Sharks are going to be really up for it. And I think that we saw inkling of this in the Storm-Canberra game last week. People thought that, you know, they'd, they'd smash Canberra, but Canberra are one of those sides that can play a bit of a tough, gritty game for periods, and it frustrates the other team. And we saw someone like Paps last week only score in the 40s and kill all of the captaincies. Um, I could, the Sharks were obviously a lot better than Canberra, but they had that type of game. So, yeah, I... I think if I earn like these Katoa type guys, um, I, I think it's a consideration. It may not be as bad as what you think, uh, but certainly play Nico Hines. Um, when we're looking at captaincy, vice captaincy, though, I've got a really interesting stat for you. When we're looking at total super coach points scored via position, I need to shout out to one of the listeners here, Fred, who um, who throws me a little bit of data every now and then. And he's got some great data and we have some really good talks about it. And um, I'm going to give him full credit for this. Um, he's, uh, some of the things that he shared with me. One of the things that I actually referenced was um, the Sharks actually concede this year so far in the five games the least amount of points to opposing halves and fullbacks. So Pap and Munster would have been the big C and VC options in this. They still very well might be, but we saw some Pap's kryptonite last week from Canberra where he only scored 41 points. The Sharks don't concede points. Now, obviously, five games isn't a massive sample size, Andrew. But the, the Sharks' defense is definitely there, and they are limiting halves and fullbacks quite a bit. So, do you still think that you would go for a VC Pap or, or even a C Munster or something like that in this one, or do you think you'd leave it out altogether? Um, I'd leave it out altogether, mate. Yeah, simply because there's, there's just better options this week, and I'm um, going by those stats as well, which it's really hard to, well, a play players that. Um, are playing these sort of teams, like a good defensive side in uh, the Sharks and also the Storm. Obviously, you wouldn't leave players out like Puppenhausen and um, and Munster, but uh, no, nah, I don't I don't have the balls to be um, putting the VC on any of those guys, um, especially, yeah, that, that, those stats are amazing, aren't they? Like, their, their mm. defense is incredible at the moment. And, um, yeah, look, by all means, play them in your team, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't be thinking about putting any VC on. So when we're having a look at the top score better the week in this one, Obviously, Storm big favourites at dollar thirty eight. I think it's going to be a tight game. Um, so I, I actually like the Sharks at plus ten and a half at a dollar seventy four. Uh, I think that's quite a good line from Top Sport. I don't think the Storm are going to win thirteen plus. 
uh, and you can bring that line in from the plus eight and a half the line is at the moment. So I, I really like that one. Roosters and Warriors. My boys did not do the Broncos like I thought they would last week. <laughs> uh, luckily, I VC'd Teddy, so that was fine. Um, a lot of angry captain as a Tedesco like yourself. <laughs> we do have Sam Verrills back this week. Um and also Takiyaho. I got asked a really interesting question in one of the groups um, as a Rooster supporter. I got asked, you know, is it um, is it Kiri not finding his feet that's limiting Tedesco? Uh, do you think it's the Harbs combo? I said, uh, one of the biggest things is that they don't have a nine, and it's the first time in Teddy's career that they don't have a genuine nine. Like Watson's a really a good um, nine in his running and his spark, but he's not a efficient um, playmaking um, prototypical nine. Um, and Hutchison isn't a nine at all. So certainly off guys like Jake Friend, um, Tedesco has shined, um, but Sam Verrills as well really helps and he's actually going to play his first game and he's back and he's starting. So that's really interesting. Um, I also think it's interesting for draft for Verrills too. You can probably have a look at look at that. Um, but Watson's obviously going to come on. So I think that's that's potentially going to help Teddy a lot, that big change. And so is Takiyahu going to come in because they needed those middle guys with uh, the Warriors, Marcello um, Montoya facing contrary conduct. We've found out tonight he's going to get four matches, so he's going to be out for a while. And Alisi Katoa, popular preseason chief, he comes back onto the bench. So, look, when we're having a look at Roosters and Warriors, market watch Kiri's being traded out like crazy. Totally get it. He should be. He has underperformed massively, even on low expectations that I had as a super coach option. But James Tedesco. Top five most traded out, getting traded out constantly to Blake Taff. I do not understand it. He's averaging 60 points a game. Okay, he's not going that well. Um, sure, he's dropped a bit of cash. He's dropped about 70K. But he's playing the Warriors this week. He has to come good eventually. He's not going to keep doing this. And before he's 28, he was actually on the upswing, Andrew. He had 88, 64, and 84. So, you know, certainly... <laughs> He's had some bigger bigger games in there before he's 28 on the weekend, and it just wasn't a very good game. Now, certainly, he's not looking great, but if you're going to trade James Tedesco before he plays the Warriors, the Dragons, the Bulldogs, and the Titans, I think that you have far, far, far bigger balls than what I do because there is no chance I would be doing that <laughs> trade. And how good must your team be if that's your priority? <laughs> Honestly, like that's that's crazy. Uh, I'm with you, mate. I think we touched it. I touched on it before. Um, I think it's a, a crazy trade to be honest. To desk over um, to Taff. Um, look, you know, putting aside his opening game of the season, you could you could say that that last week's 28 points was his first um, horrible game of the year. Um, look. You know, yeah, Warriors, Dragons, Bulldogs, Titans all coming up. It's not the time to trade out to Desco, and surely you've got um, worse problems in your team to take care of. I'm just going to get out of the way right now. He's going to be um, a potential C for me, like, and, and potential is in a very good shot in getting the C for me. I'm undeterred from last week. In fact, I think that him scoring 28 last week, and this is the other thing, means that he's even less likely to back it up with another 28 this week. Like... Guys like James Tedesco that have a dud, they don't back it up with another complete dud. You know, like he's 32 in round one. He backed it up with an 84 the next week against Manly. He's, and the Roosters as well. Like the Roosters had a shocking game that round one game against Newcastle. And then they backed it up with a really good win against Manly the next week. They weren't good last week against the Broncos or they give the Broncos credit. I thought that they played quite well. 
But I tend to think that the Roosters will be much better this week, and so will Teddy, just because they did so poorly last week. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a fair point. I mean, I should just throw the C straight on him. Hey, just uh, he owes me after the twenty eight captaincy last week. So, <laughs> yeah, why not double down? And and if it doesn't work, just triple down and put yeah. it on the next week. <laughs> just do it um, every week for the next three weeks until he gives me the the two hundred points that I really need. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, look, he's not going to average 60 points a game. He, he hasn't done that once at the Roosters. His lowest is 74. He's he's not going to average anywhere near that. So you're, you're selling him at exactly the wrong time because he's about to repay the faith, um, and I'm very confident in saying that um, over the next month of football. Other big trade-ins, though, on market watch. There is one man, and that is Joseph Manu. Now, I'm, I'm happy if he keeps going like this to say that I got it wrong in the last couple of weeks, but... I just did not see the value in paying what he cost. And now he actually costs 650000 so way more. And he's got a minus eight break even. So now scored 104, 118 points, back-to-back tons. He's now scored at least one try in three games in a row, which I don't even. I think that might have happened maybe once or twice in his whole career. Um, so he's certainly playing some great footy. He's in his mid-20s. So, look, Andrew, maybe I am wrong. Maybe he is getting better. He's still a lot younger than what people think. Um, so, certainly that might be the case. And he might end up being a good buy. Uh, he is going to play that round 13 buy as well. And he does have that great run. I, I'm just concerned that he doesn't have that base-based attack. And he's not going to score doubles like he has the last couple of weeks. He was a massive man in the match performance last week. It would be a huge effort for him to back that up. Um, but, look, at this point, I'm not going to say don't buy him because the last three weeks he's proven enough to say that he's a consideration. But do you own Joey Manu or, or would you consider him for this week against the Warriors? Um, I, I don't own him um, and I'm not sure I can consider him uh, as far as a buy this week. Um, look, honestly, it's it's one of those um, battle of the theories, really. I mean, 650K um, to pay for a, a player like this, um, which you'll, you may more than likely using your centers. I'm not sure if you use them in your fullback. It doesn't really matter. Um, he'll be more he'll be more expensive next week as well, uh, no matter what he scores with that negative 14 break even. Um, even with the buy coverage as well, it's very hard to justify now. Good on those coaches for paying the, the 540 or even 525K um, in the opening three weeks. So that was a really good move. But yeah, it's just, it's just hard to justify the price tag. That's all, mate. Producing the goods is looking really good. He's at the right age to just go on a, a complete, you know, barnstormer of a run. Um, and he's got some good opponents coming up. So um, it's hard to talk someone out of actually bringing him in. But price tag is too much for me. Yeah, and whenever you pay peak price for these centre wings, it always ends up being a bit disappointing. I think the saving grace with him is he can still go up 75K pretty easily. So it's not going to kill you. Um, and I'll, I'll put my hand up and say, you know, a month ago he was great. And I, I wish I knew because I would have gone back on what I said about him and I would have traded him in. But we can't see these things sometimes with some of the runs or improvements in form that some players have. Um, he's playing a very different style than what he was last year. So, you know, that was part of the reason why I didn't want him uh, because I didn't think he'd get the same, uh, well, free reign that he got last year in usage. And he's not really this year. It's it's a different game, but he's still making the most of it. So look, if you got on him, kudos. A um, bit too much for me, but I'm not going to say anything else because I don't want him to keep scoring tons. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's move on. As far as sit and play, 
you know, I've seen people actually bench Aitken, and I've seen a lot of people the last couple of weeks trade out Aitken. He scored 92 points on the weekend. Finally, he got his, his LB try, uh, and that's what it ended up being. He still had his great base, and he got 90s, uh, and that's exactly why you needed to hold him. So hopefully a few people after listening last week held. Um, but Aitken is still really good value at 525k. I would certainly be playing him against the Roosters. But the one that I want to touch on with you, Andrew, because I'm not allowed to talk about Daniel Tupo anymore. Okay? <laughs> he only scored 41 points last week, so he didn't score what I wanted or what I thought he would, but neither did the Roosters. The Warriors conceded the most points to center wings this year in Supercoach points, the most. So for Supercoach, it should say that Roosters' center wings are absolute gold. I'm really looking forward to playing Tupo this week. He didn't score what I thought last week. I think he's going to pay me this week. Where are you on Daniel Tupo? Oh, there's no no argument, mate. Like, he's, if you've got him, play him. And if there was any round in the entire season, you'd play him this week. Um, trying to figure out whether you'd actually buy this guy as a non-owner at 577K. Um, it, it, look, if you look at his scores, he's got three 70s in a row. I mean, that's gold for a centre wing. That's absolutely amazing. Um, his price is, doesn't really reflect that um, because of his uh, opening score, 36, and then last week's score of 43. But um, he's got that run coming up. He's not the, <laughs> he's not someone that you'd, um, I suppose, consider at 575K. I'm not sure what your thoughts are. I know you're very biased towards Tupac, <laughs> but I mean, uh, I, know you, I know you're very reasonable as well. If And again, let's mention Graham. If you're sitting there and you mm. had a choice between, okay, I've got 580K uh, to spend on a centre wing this week. Um, okay, there's Tupo and, and there's, um, there's Graham. Uh, I don't know about you. I would go Graham 100%. Look, I think that I would just because um, Graham's 50K less. And like I've said this for a few weeks, like don't let Tupo get too expensive where you lose value. And he's at that point now, I'll agree that it's, it's, it is a bit expensive to pay for him, but I do, I am very confident that he's scoring a trying on 75 plus this week and he's going to score a double eventually. Um, and at the moment, if those stats hold up against the Warriors, there's a very good chance that it's this week and then he goes 100 yeah. plus. So no, that's true. Did you, did you I, pay the 520K at the start of the season for Tupo? Did you start... Uh, I didn't start with him, but I bought him at like round three. Yeah, round oh, three. Yeah. Right. yeah. After three weeks, I bought him. So I still got him at I got him at like five hundred twenty-eight thousand. Yeah, nice. After the back-to-back seventies, nice. Yeah. So look, I, I think that you definitely can buy Tupo at the moment still, and I think that he's going to score well for you this week. Um, I'm going to have Graham and Tupo in my center wing, but certainly Graham is a bit cheaper and a bit more um, palatable. But both of them are actually. Um, big pods anyway still. Uh, look, we already spoke about the, the captaincy option with Teddy. Top spot better the week in this one. I think that the Roosters' performance last week has meant that they're giving up minus 14.5 points at a dollar ninety. Yeah, I like that one. I like the bounce back. It is at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Uh, ninety for the Roosters to win 15 plus there. Dragons, Knights. We're going to go through this one pretty quickly because there's not a lot of options, unfortunately. So Dom Young on market watch is getting sold immensely. Brody Jones is the big one that's getting traded in. We touched on him last week that said, let's wait a week and see what happens. So really interesting with Jones because he's 275000 and hasn't had a price increase yet. And he got the full 80 last week. So scored 47 points, which we thought was probably going to be around about where he's at if he's playing the 80 minutes. Uh, so lo and behold, he's got to be around the 10-point mark. 
at 275k, he's someone who I think he's a really good downgrade from Nanai as far as freeing up cash. It's a good matchup against his Dragon's Edge. But I guess when you're looking at the teams, Andrew, there is going to be some questions on on the job security. Yeah, do you see it worth it jumping on someone like Brody Jones until you know a Barnett comes back or or you know, Fitzgibbon down the track? Um, yeah, is it going to be enough games? Is it going to be worth the trade out? Uh, I'm with you. Like uh, as far as job security goes, it just made me too nervous, mate. Um, and that's that's basically where I'm at with with him. Yeah, I'm going to throw up a complete pot option here. Um, and I'm not going to do it, but I can see it working out. Bradman bets 470,000. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people that say, I need a centre wing. I'm hemorrhaging points there. I need someone a bit more solid. I cannot afford a, a Graham or a Tupo. I just don't have the money. This is my price. Bradman Best isn't owned by anybody. Um, he's averaging 51 points a game, which isn't phenomenal, uh, but it's really torn down by his game against the Sharks two weeks ago. We mentioned the Sharks have conceded the least amount of super coach points to centre wings. 24 points he had against them. So you can kind of throw that out the window a little bit. You look at his other games, though, 47, 69, 62, 52. Pretty solid. Raw base of 33, 40-plus when you talk about his base-base attack, and he's playing a dragon side that... Really, he could physically dominate on that centre side, on that edge. Um, so I'm I actually thinking he's going to go for a try this week. Um, the problem is with him that he does have the Eels and the Storm the next two weeks. Uh, so that is something for buyers to be aware of. I don't, I, I'm not going to do it. I, I think it's even close to a big balls pod. But he is someone who has shown form in the past with his two average in 2020. Uh, I do think that the Knights are going to take a little bit of an upswing from where we've seen them at, and, and Bradman Best hasn't been playing as badly as what, uh, well, the lack of mentioning seems to suggest. <laughs> Mate, um, yeah, look, his form hasn't been that bad, and, yeah, look, his, his form in previous seasons has been good too. Um, definitely not. I'd talk anyone out of trading Best in this week, break even of 80 um, which he hasn't hit so far this season. And as you said, with those um, two opponents coming up in Para and Melbourne, and he doesn't play round 13, there's, there's not really any point to bringing him in. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to say that he's on my watch list. Um, I, I think that he will go well against the Dragons. But one of the nice things with him is that if he just goes 50s the next couple of weeks sort of thing, he's going to be low 400s. In round nine, he's going to go Cowboys, Bulldogs, Broncos, Warriors. Obviously, have the buy after that, but that's a good month of footy and some and a time where you might want to cash out someone, and and he might be in consideration then. So I'm definitely watching him this week. But yeah, it is a bit hard to look at trading him in. Top sport better the week. Uh, well, look, dollar sixty five for Dragons, two twenty five for the Knights. I think that basically says where each of these teams are at. Um, Kalen Pong has scored like fifty points between the last two weeks. That's how well he's been playing. Uh, I don't know what way I would go on this one. So I'm actually going to, I would go for try scorers on this one because I don't want to try and pick a winner. And if you do like Bradman Best to score a try, uh, he's $3.45. So that's huge value for him if you're looking at a smoky. Eels Tigers is the last game of the round. Madge has wielded the axe, but you know, three out of five captains gone. <laughs> that's one thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a joke, let's be honest. I mean, I, I hate... I hate giving crap to teams, but oh my gosh, they, they really needed to do something. Yeah, they, they did. And like, I mean, Hastings was always going to return and swapping seven and six, like that really makes no difference. Dane Laurie was always going to return from COVID too. So that's not really a change. 
Look, Mamolo, Little and Peachy, like they're reasonable drops. And I think that all of them deserve to be dropped. So I won't say he hasn't done anything. And Mamolo actually looked completely disinterested on the weekend. And, and Peachy just was an awful signing when they did it. Um, so look, he's done something there. Um, I don't think that he's done enough to stop his team getting smashed by the Eels. So, and when we're looking at this Eels side, uh, we've got Nakore who's coming to the center spot and that's pushed Penasini to the wing. I think we are hoping for one of the young guys to come through, one of the young cheapies, but that hasn't happened. Nakore looks like an interesting option for draft, but there is an interesting branch. So we have Perham on the bench, who was maybe one of the guys that was going to come in there. So I would watch, if you're a draft owner, someone like Nakore because he could come off and go onto the bench and then, you know, everyone switches around. And likewise for Penasini, he might find himself back in the centres again. Uh, but otherwise for the Eels, you know, pretty stock standard. Sean Lane returns, pushes Madison to the bench, which we're waiting to see what would happen there. And Maddo still becomes someone that you cannot buy. Unfortunately, even though he got a line break try last week and scored his best score of the year in the 80s. Eels players here, you know, the trade-in on Moses is massive. The trade-in on IPAP is massive. Now, Moses is a bit of an enigma. He's not often gone on these runs where he's got to these price points. He's now over 650000 And not only are people not cashing him out, they're actually buying him, Andrew. Now, I don't think I've seen this before with Mitchell Moses. <laughs> um, he's gone 90 last week and 144 before that. That 144 is obviously going to drop after this week. So that he could have another big one against the Tigers. It's great immediate points at 650000 He's got a negative 18 break even. He's still going to make a fair bit of cash. Um, I'm a little bit on the fence. So I'm going to rely on you here. You know, the numbers say it's a good trading. He could put up a ton this week against the Tigers. He's going to make good cash. He's 650, which is expensive, but not huge. But I always just think back to those games where I've owned Mitchell Moses, where he can throw up, you know, a, a 50 pretty easily here. And then the 144 drops out. And then all of a sudden you're thinking about what you've done because, you know, the Eels next three are okay the Tigers, the Knights, and the Cows. But then they hit uh, the Panthers, the Roosters, Manly, and the Raiders away at GIO. And then they don't have a game at the bye round. So, look, I would have loved to have gotten him last week, even better the week before. This week is one of the most trading players. You tell me what I should do here if I'm looking at buying him. Oh, it, it is such a difficult decision. And the way I'm looking at it right now, you've got, it's, it's annoying because obviously his break even is negative 25. This guy's going to uh, more than likely creep, if not go over the 700K mark. Um, you know, for those of us who don't own him, what are we buying him for exactly? And we could be spending this money, this um, 655K, on three decent scores, um, which is a bit scary to think about because, you know, as you said, Barnsley, like, he's got he's got Penrith, he's got... Um, the Roosters as well in round nine and 10. He's not playing the buy round. Um, obviously, you know, he'll be all right um, after the the Penrith game, where he, uh, sorry, after the Roosters game where he plays Manly Raiders and Bulldogs. Um, again, it's really difficult to analyze this one, isn't it? Because his price should be coming down shortly after that, um, that Roosters game, like maybe just after the Manly game. So you'd be paying um, a little bit less than, say, 650K, hopefully. You'd assume that 144 points will go out of his rolling average and um, that 90 points will start to be going out of it as well. Um, if, as someone who doesn't own Moses, I'd be more reassessing after the Roosters game, to be honest. Um, I just can't see myself bringing in that 
uh, paying that 655k for for three decent games. Yeah, it, it is a really tough call. Um, maybe he keeps going on this run, but what I would say here's a situation that I can talk myself into. He could be a good stepping stone for Nathan Cleary. So if you're prepared to burn two trades or you're someone that saved trades, you could say, look, I'm going to rent Mitchell Moses for a few weeks um, and he's going to hopefully make me 100K still in that few weeks. And Nathan Cleary is going to hopefully drop 250K. And all of a sudden you get, you know, three weeks of decent draw for Mitchell Moses, hopefully a ton this week against the Tigers. And then you can swap him to a Nathan Cleary almost as a straight swap if it works out. So if people have that sort of thought process, it is an interesting one to consider. Um, if you're just trading him in thinking that he's going to be a, a set-and-forget halfback, um, I think that you're going to be disappointed and you you might be one like one of those coats owners that wants to trade him in a few weeks' time. <laughs> Mate, that's a really good point, and I didn't actually think about that at all. But, yeah, he would be a great stepping stone to Cleary. Um, their price points will meet or come very close at some stage in the very near future. Um, and especially if you haven't burnt through all your trades so far as well. And um, yeah, it's definitely worth it. So yeah, it's glad you pointed that one out, mate. Yeah, nice. I just don't have the money to do it anyway. Oh, look, I, I started with Moses and I trained him after three rounds because I wanted Hines and I didn't want to trade Schneider out. So oh, no. it's just one of those things where I, I believed in Moses, <laughs> um, but I couldn't possibly trade Schneider because it was too much cash. Yeah, it's, I would have gotten way more points if I didn't, if I didn't trade um, Moses and I traded Schneider, but at the same time, yeah, it, it's hard to do because you had to get Nico Hines in as well. So one of them had to go, uh, but we digress. Um, IPAP is the other guy. So Papa Lee for the Eels has been on my watch list for weeks. He's just not dropping in cash, which really sucks. Um, he played 80 minutes on the weekend as well against the Titans. And the week before, cause Madison was back, it looked like, you know, 66 minutes, but then Madison obviously started Um Lane is back now and Madison's on the bench. So I am interested if it's going to go back to a 65-minute type of role or where that's going to go. But I tell you what, he's now gone 80, 78, 94 the last three weeks. You know, he's got an 84 three-round average at the moment. He's had the best three-week run so far this year out of his five games. And all of them have had monster. Well, I should say two out of three have had monster raw base. Round three, 66 raw base, round four, 52. And last round against the Titans, 60 raw base. Uh, <laughs> That's nuts, isn't it's it? It's just crazy. And then he's also getting the assists as well. Um, and he's getting his offloads and his tackle breaks. So he's base attack service. He's hitting some clutch too. And he hasn't scored a try yet, which I'm really scared about. So look, at about 700,000 in a BE around what his average is anyway, you know, I do think that he's a buy. He's just really expensive. But the Tigers are the team that he's signed to play for next year and they look awful. So, you know, all that motivation and a really poor opposition with bad edge defence. I'm shit scared not to own Papali and I wish I had somebody to trade to him. Everybody getting him in is definitely making the right decision in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm totally, I totally agree with you, mate. Um, he's a guy you need to have uh, throughout the entire season. If you don't have him, you really need to find a way to get him into your team um, in the next couple of rounds. I'd say three to four rounds at the very latest. His price isn't going to change that much because his base is so good and he gets that attacking involvement as well. And uh, yeah, for, for non-owners, you're going to be scared not having him this weekend against the Tigers because I think he'll be hungry and he, he may even creep towards that 100-point mark. Yeah, I'm I'm super worried he's gonna get a try this week and it's those Tigers edges. It's um 
it's a big worry, and I think that it's actually going to happen. I've like basically talked myself into it. <laughs> I don't know. Mate, uh, I'd be yeah, happy to put an anytime try scorer on that guy this weekend, and he'd be paying like a half decent amount as well. So, yeah, we will have a look at that shortly. Um, <laughs> couple of mid range type of cheapies in Penasini and Tuolagi. I tell you what, I can't wait to play Penasini in this one, whether he's on the wing or in the center. This is going to be a great Penasini game, and it's going to probably kickstart his money making quite a bit as well. So. I think he's a no-brainer. The guy that isn't a no-brainer at all is Tuolagi, who just can't seem to stay healthy. He um, he copped a hit from Hamlin Ueli on the weekend, which limited his minutes again. Um, so he ended up playing 66 minutes still. It looked like he was going to play 80 because he did come off in that game. Um, he still scored 38 in raw base in a game that they got absolutely trounced. So, I mean, again, I keep saying each week, Andrew, the, the signs are there, but his scores aren't, aren't showing the promise that, you, you, that you're watching there. Is he just doesn't put together a full game. He's played 71, 53, 40, and 66 minutes. And all of them, he was, except for the first round, he was meant to play more minutes than that. You know, in the first round, he scored 46 in a game against the Storm where, you know, it, it's just it's so hard to pick and choose with him. I'm just leaving him out at the moment. But the Eels just gave up 107 points to David Fafita on that side. And they do have susceptibility on their edges at times as well. Is this a week that Toilagi goes well? I mean, surely you can't play him, but I'd certainly be holding him and not selling him like I've seen a few teams doing. Yeah, certainly not a not a sell option. Uh, I'll be doing the same as you. I'm going to take my chances on four other reserves and, and keep him out. Um, I just want to see some consistency from the guy and, and actually see him get through a game healthy. And um, But... No, nah, you don't. You don't sell this guy. Two hundred and eighty-one k break even of twenty-four. He's obviously going to make some money at some stage, and it's just a matter of when. So, um, don't don't let the um, the fact that the Tigers aren't playing round thirteen deter you either. Um, I'd just keep him keep him on the side and and just ride that wave. Captaincy options for the last game of the round. Some people will be jumping on Mitchell Moses. Um, can fully see it. Just remember, there's going to be some risk there. Another one though. ownership, something that made me better about Pappenhausen's massive score (laughs) is that before round five, I was deciding whether I should shift Clint Gutherson to Pappenhausen. I did it several times in reverse. I decided not to do it. And he rewarded me with 97 points. Now, that is two and a half times the points that Papp scored. It is four times as many points as what Teddy scored. <laughs> and it is 100% more points than what Turbo scored. So I feel fantastic this week about that fullback spot. So good. Um, but <laughs> I was also not just looking at that Titans game thinking he'll get close to a ton. Um, I was also looking at Gutho versus West Tigers as a 5% owned player that people aren't going to captain. 97 last week. Uh, I reckon that he can replicate 90 plus again this week. And definitely could be a captaincy option for those 5% of owners for, for Clint Gutherson, who's averaging 73 a game this year. And if you exclude round one, he wouldn't have given you a bad captaincy score. 81, 87, 61 and 97. And coming off a double against the Titans, um, I, I quite like him this week versus the Tigers to potentially get his first ton of the year as well. I think this is the the week that Gutho owners are, have been looking forward to is the the week that they're actually playing um, the Tigers and the games at the end of the round. Like this is this is the best opportunity to have a pod captain choice, and if he smashes it, 
um, it's going to be amazing because you've got that that game Melbourne versus Cronulla where you know you're kind of ruling out Hines um, or Munster or Pappenhausen um, to a point as a decent captain option. I mean, if if Tedesco um, continues down his path and doesn't produce a massive score, um, Gutho is going to be amazing. He, he could be the difference between um, like between you and someone else with a different captain choice, 100 points, easy. Yeah, and I said that I'm pretty sold on Tedesco as captain, but, you know, I never said 100%. You know, that that other little percentage is maybe I do Gutho instead. <laughs> Just 99. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, look, I, I'm, actually, I'm actually, it is a decision that I'm going to make this week um, because on form um, and the fact that the Tigers look so bad and it's the last round, um, last game of the round, you know, Gutho, there's a good argument that Gutho is a better option than Teddy this week if you own both of those two. So, yeah, I'll definitely be considering Gutho over Teddy, um, that's for sure. Andrew, that is the round done. That is a podcast done. Cowboy, thanks for jumping on. I love getting you on for your cameos. Uh, I used to love the Points Per Minute podcast, as did everyone, so I'm sure you'll have a lot of fans out there still that would like to listen to this one and reminisce about the Points Per Minute, but it's good to have you on again. Mate, I really appreciate it. Yeah, um, anytime, mate. Um, thanks so much for having me on. No worries at all. Well, you can catch this podcast everywhere, but definitely on iTunes, SoundCloud and Spotify, and now also Amazon and Audible too. You can follow us on Twitter too, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars, and jump on top sport with the promo code SC All Stars. This is going to be up on Wednesday for everyone to have a listen to for TLT, and we're going to have back-to-back episodes coming up this weekend of Talking Footy, first one hitting on Friday at the latest, so you're going to have a good Easter present. Consider those your Easter chocolate eggs, but otherwise, enjoy the long weekend with Easter. Have a great time watching all the footy with some days off. Can't wait to chat about it again at the end of the week, and can't wait to chat Supercoach next Tuesday night when we record for TLT rounds. Hey now, you're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. And all that is gold. Only shooting stars.